Hey everyone, welcome to episode 201, Hands Are Not For Hitting. Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to lesson. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. Hey everyone, so you know my titles are sometimes a little tricky and persnickety and that's how I roll. It's kind of matches my personality. So this came actually from a book. I was gonna say hands are for helping, not for hitting, but that was too long. So I Googled the book that I was trying to talk about and it's actually called Hands Are Not For Hitting, which I did not uh, know that was the title. I thought it was hands are for helping, not for hitting. So you can title it whatever you want. So I'm not taking off the trademark. It's a whole series of best behavior books that I use so much as a counselor and a teacher and also with my own kids. And this one talks about hitting, but they have other titles I didn't even know. It was diapers are not forever, tails are not for pulling, feet are not for kicking, noses are not for picking, <laughs> teeth are not for biting, words are not for hurting, waiting is not forever. Worries are not forever. Voices are not for yelling. Pacifiers are not forever. Germs are not for sharing. Oh my goodness, who knew? There's a whole series and it's all by, by Martine Agassi, illustrated by Marika Heinken. So Google these books if this is an area of concern, especially with the little guys and little girls. This is really, some of these ailments can go on and on and on forever and you think the stage is never going to be over and I promise everything is about stages and phases and like we talk about it every single grade has their 50 50 and every single age has their 50 50 so I didn't know that all these titles were here and I really wish I would have had all these titles they had some of these titles but not all of them and so it's really good to read these books and I had a lot of value um, from the these books and also like the Berenstein Bear books. I also read a lot of Curious George and he was super naughty. So I used him as a non-example of like when he would get into things. And can you imagine if we did that? And oh, I know our brain wants to tell us that we want to do those things. So we want to normalize it at the same time. And then teaching about how Curious George could have a little more self-control and what could he do to have more self-control and how do we help with that and make better decisions and think before acting and use Curious George as the subject, so to speak but we're being a sneaky teacher and getting the lessons in without them having their defensiveness up. So this book is really good because, and I love reading books like that because it gives me the language on how to talk to the kids. Because especially when I first started teaching, I didn't know how to talk to first graders, but the books really helped me. And then seeing what books resonated with them and the ones that they loved the most, that helped me understand their brain and helped me understand what kind of turns their crank a little bit. And then I would find books and talk like that based on their reaction. So always be listening and watching your kid's reaction because that's what you know turns their crank. And then you give them more of that to build connection. So when we're talking about hitting, a lot of times I'm going to do a whole episode about sibling rivalry, which is a hard word for me to say the second one. I love the book called Siblings Without Rivalry. <laughs> Sorry, that word is so hard. It gives so many tangible examples and examples that I use 
with my own kids. I also used in the classroom. I used as a counselor. So it's a really good book with a lot of tangible examples. And at home, a lot of the times, especially when they were younger, the bickering would happen. But the more I became a conscious parent, the less it happened and with less intensity and less frequency. Because like I've talked about in a previous podcast, when you're working with one child, let's say you have more than one child in your house. When you're working with one child and you're being conscious and you're practicing the steps, by osmosis, the other child picks up on that because they see that's what I need to do when my brother or sister makes me angry. I need to do what mom does. I need to do what dad does. They pick up on it through osmosis because they don't know what to do when their sibling makes them upset. So they're going to do what mom and dad do as their first line of defense when their sibling makes them upset. That's their first line. It doesn't mean they're always going to pull to it, but you just want to That's a a really clever way of filling their toolbox is when you're working with the other child, the other child's in the red zone and you're helping diffuse and doing the steps and getting them out of the red zone. The other child is actually benefiting. But if we're yelling and screaming and hitting when the child is in the red zone or in the yellow zone, then what happens is the other child learns, okay, that's my first line of defense. I'm going to hit, yell and scream and ridicule or name call because that's going to be their first line of defense because that's all they know. And also feels good when they're upset, they're going to get some of that aggression out, some of that emotion out, and they'll get it through yelling or screaming or hitting or name calling. So if it's not being modeled to them and they still do it, that's okay. You just want to make sure your side of the street is clean and then you can teach from that place versus modeling it and then the other child getting in trouble when they're doing the same thing to the sibling that we just did 10 minutes ago to the sibling when they made us upset or said child. So when we're talking about hitting, so I, I I like to teach about staying out of it, teaching them get along strategies during calm waters, like win wins and like rock, paper, scissors and flipping coins. And if there's no coins, flipping a pillow. And when they both want to do an activity, okay, we're going to do your activity for five minutes, then do my activity for five minutes. Um, teaching things like Instead of saying, can I have that? Because kids sharing is really tough for little kids. And I asked Lily when she was like in like first or second grade, I'm like, how come you're such a good share with your friends? But sometimes with your brother, you're not so much. And it's the same toy or same book or same thing. And she says, well, I feel like with my friends, I know I'll get it back. But with my brother, I don't. I don't know if I'll ever get it back. So instead of saying, can I borrow that? Can I use that? Can I it's can I use that for 10 minutes? Can I use that for five minutes? And so if they know that it's temporary, a lot a lot of times they're more likely to share. And just because your child doesn't share doesn't mean that they're going to grow up being selfish or they're going to grow up with having no friends or they're going to grow up and be a baddie. Don't go there. Don't let the red, don't let the thread, don't pull the thread so far that we go down the rabbit hole. They're not going to prom. You know that whole story. If you don't, my kid, my, one of my kids was not playing on the playground and had, and when kids would come up and try to play with them. They'd say, no, no, no. And they were crying because they missed their mommy and daddy. And it was like 1030 in the morning. I was watching through the playground with tears in my eyes. And I literally unconsciously thought she's never going to go to prom. It's a famous story. So um, it's not like I'm hiding the identity of Lily because I've told her. And it's actually comical at this point. And she's been to homecoming. Everything's fine. She has a great social life. But this is when she's three years old. And that's it wasn't even like I questioned. I was very unconscious. I didn't even think about my thinking. I was I literally and then I believed it so much that I just went down this rabbit hole of like, oh, my gosh, she's going to be alone in a room and have no friends and have nobody to sit with at lunch. And it just went and went and went and went and went and went. I couldn't stop it. I went down the rabbit hole of I'm failing as a parent. And at the root of it all was I'm a loser mom. That was the root of most of my unconsciousness. I'm a loser mom. I'm not meant to be a mom. I'm not cut out for this. They need something that I can't give them. 
I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not valuable. That was the root of most of my reactions. So when we know that that's the root, then we can follow the string and lead to that. And like, oh, this is fear leading me. Oh, this anxiety leading me. Oh, this is the need for control leading me. Oh, okay. I didn't have a lot of control when I was younger. So I'm trying to export it onto my kid. Okay. Then we're kind of aware of it. We're onto ourselves. And awareness is key. And then shame can't live in the dark. So when you bring light to it, and you bring light and air to it, then you bring transparency to the ego, and then it's not so scary. So when we're talking, I always like to try to stay out of it and teach them calm, get along strategies during calm waters. Like anything, you want to teach everything you want to teach your child during calm waters, and then you also want to do it through fun and playfulness. Like with stuffed animals, with role playing, you know, you being silly in the kitchen and dropping a bunch of dishes, plastic dishes, I hope, and then modeling for them of how to stay calm, even though you just dropped all the dishes. So with hitting, it's a little bit different because you do have to intervene because, yeah, you want to stay out of it. But if someone's getting pummeled and they're being thrown across the room, not really, but you know what I mean? You want to intervene. So one strategy that I teach that really helps is when a child hits another child or a child raspberries in their face or a child whips a toy out of their hands aggressively. What helps a lot of times is that we get in the red zone with our child when we see that happening. And so instead of going to the hitter, you want to go to the hit E. Now, I know that's really not a word, but you want to go to the victim. And I say victim, I use that term very lightly, but the person who has been hit, because a lot of times it can work both ways. The raspberry can go both ways. The hitting can go both ways. The name calling can go both ways. So let's just say Sally hits Johnny. So you want to go to Sally. No, sorry. So, so Sally hits Johnny. So the normal thing is to go straight to Sally and ridicule and yell in her face and shame her and lecture her and just say, that's just horrible. We don't ever hit and, and just, you know, freak out on Sally. Another strategy to try just to think about is go to Johnny and talk to Johnny first and ask how Johnny's doing. Give him loads of loads of attention, loads of loads of empathy, loads and loads of how that must have made him feel. And we're ignoring Sally at the moment because Sally's going to go back into the yellow and green zone. And at the same time, we allow ourselves to go back in the yellow or green zone because going off on Sally is only going to bring us deeper into red and her deeper into red as far as the zones. So when we're giving all that grace and the hugs and kissing the boo-boos up to Johnny, it gives us Sally and myself a chance to calm down and get ourselves back into the yellow or green zone. And so once you see that Johnny is more in the green zone, because Johnny is in the red zone because he's feeling sad or hurt or dismissed or beat up upon. So we're going to get Johnny into the green zone and we might need to get him ice. We might need to give him a tissue. We want to do active things to help him feel better and talk about his emotions, talk about how he's feeling. He doesn't have to do any talking, but we can say like, oh, I bet that hurt your heart. Oh my goodness, that was so sad. It made me sad too to see that. Oh, and we don't mention the child's name that did the thing. We just, it's all the attention's on Johnny. And this is a really good strategy because you're also modeling what Sally needs to do next time she sees someone hurt. Even if she didn't do the hurting, so to speak, when we're talking about like a tissue or a bag of ice or when I was working in the classroom, I didn't always have access to a bag of ice. So I would say, let's go get a wet paper towel. The amount of things that a wet paper towel could heal. Oh, my goodness. Night and day. 
if someone fell down, like, oh, no, you fell down. Who wants to get them a wet paper, ta- wet paper towel? Oh, what a kind heart. Thank you for going. And no one pushed him down. He just fell down. And he had sand all over his face. And so the wet paper towel was like the most healing thing ever. Or it might be a Band-Aid or it might be a Neosporin. And even if there isn't an actual cut, sometimes we can get Band-Aids because kids know what Band-Aids stand for. There's a boo-boo. And sometimes I would put a Band-Aid over their heart. And if I didn't, I wouldn't lift their shirt up and put over their heart. Exactly. But I put over their t-shirt over their heart. So it's a symbol, symbolic way. And then you can talk to Sally about what happened. What's going on? What was going on for you? What's going on? What can we do to make Johnny feel better? It's all about, we can talk about Sally's behavior, but it's all about how do we fix this? How do we make Johnny feel better? I don't know. What do we should do if she's in the green zone? And then, you know, if it's something more severe, you can go to, um, you know, writing an apology note. You can have them go get their stuffed animal, a, a box of tissues, ice, an ice cube. So we had something in our house um, called the Boo Boo Bunny. <laughs> and I don't know where I got it, but it was a bunny made out of a washcloth. And it had a little ice pack in it. I'm sure if you went on Amazon or Google, the Boo Boo Bunny or, or the Tame Turtle or whatever name we want to give it exists. Or you could just have a bag of ice always sitting in the freezer and you could call it the boo-boo bag. So it doesn't have to be something we buy off Amazon. We just have to get creative. And when we're in the green zone ourselves, we can get more creative. And when we practice these things in the green zones, that's where we come up with these ideas. A lot of these times, a lot of times these ideas came from the kids during the green zone, whether it was in the school or at home, coming up with these ideas and then just putting a cute name on it. It's almost like you're uh, having a marketing degree and you're just selling it to the kids as the boo-boo bag. Like even if they fall down, it has nothing to do with either of them. <gasps> Let's go get the boo-boo bunny or the boo-boo bag and help him or her feel better. Let's go get their stuffed animal. Let's go get their fa- favorite favorite blankie, wet paper towel, band-aid, neosporin. And we can pretend to put the neosporin on it. We're playing and we're using their imagination to our advantage, not taking advantage of their imagination, using their amazing imagination to our advantage and having a light and playful energy around it. And in the same time, we're teaching them. We can teach them so much when this stuff goes on. Because I always teach, you know, we want to stay out of it. But if we do have to intervene and we do have to, because I always told my kids when they were younger, especially when the bickering was more apparent than it is now because they have more strategies they have more in their tool belt i would always say i'm not the referee i'm not wearing stripes i'm not the i'm not i don't have a whistle because what we want to do is we want to pick out the victim and the villain and then we want to punish the villain and the villain gets all the attention but let's love on the victim instead when they're bickering and it's not something that goes physical my friend janet bow always taught me she's like whatever my kids were arguing i would just say if you guys can't work it out I use this forever. I would say if you guys can't work it out and you have to get me involved, then that means we're going to have to be pulling weeds or we're going to have to do chores or they would both have a natural consequence. And the consequence would usually fit the crime, so to speak. And it was usually time related. Like, it sounds like you need more time together. It sounds like you you need more time together to figure this out. And so then the, the natural consequence, yes, weeds didn't have anything to do with what happened, but weeds is a very relaxing, my sister and husband my sister and david love pulling weeds for some reason so we could say like you know it could be something else it could be anything it's we're going to wash windows because windows is a very relaxing way to calm down and get us both in the green zone so they both have the consequence and it's not really a fun consequence but it's something that can help calm them down and also helps build teamwork between the two of them like you got to figure out who's going to do which section of the driveway which section of the driveway or whatever it is so that's how you can kind of teach 
and let them know in advance this is the natural consequence that both will have a consequence. And so all of a sudden, it's amazing how they work it out. And a lot of times we're not even there when it happens, so we don't have to hear both sides of the story. And let's say it's a toy that they're they're so angry and then they throw a toy. The normal thing and the brain wants to go straight to the child that threw the toy and lecture and be Charlie Brown's teacher. But sometimes what's more effective is going to the toy, especially when they're younger. Imagine, remember, they think Toy Story is a real movie. They think toys are real and, and living and can move and can talk when we're not home. So use that to our advantage Use the toy and use the same exact strategies that we just talked about with the child and go to the toy and be like, oh, toy, are you okay? I'm so sorry. Oh, I know that must have been so scary for you to be thrown across this room. Did you get motion sickness? Do you need a boo-boo bunny? Do you need to go on top of the refrigerator, calm down where you feel safe and no one's going to throw you across the room? I bet that's so scary. I would always say, I would always say, I always use the top of the refrigerator as like a place to like have the thing chill out. Not the child, obviously, but the toy. And then when they got older, they could reach the top of the fridge. I'm like, now I use the attic. I Do you need to go in the attic to calm down? So you can talk to the toy like it's a living being and put a bandaid on the toy. Have fun with it. Have the child write an apology letter to the toy. If they can't draw, have them make a card for the toy. They can do the same thing for their brother if they can't write sentences. They can draw a picture. Get the booba bunny for the toy. Give the toy a hug. Give the toy a tissue. So these are all strategies to deal with different things. And the books really help because it gives you the language to use with said child. Whatever the issue is, get the book, hop them on their lap, open up the discussion. You're doing it through the book. You're being a sneaky teacher, not a sneaky human. And then you can get so much feedback from them during the green times and the green zones. So then when they get in the yellow and red, you have strategies and you have things in your tool belt to pull from because you know from said conversation two nights ago when they were on their lap all calm and and cuddly of what turns their crank. And then during these tricky times, you're building connection. And when you have connection, you have more cooperation. And when you have more cooperation, like anything, you have more harmony in the home. I love you guys and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, mamas, thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com. And if you really wanna fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, What was that lightning bolt moment while you were listening? I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.